Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 27. If you have our Bible app, you can click onto that. We have all the notes there so you can follow along. And as you remember, last week we started this whole series called Spiritual Awakening to coincide with the fasting, that we want this fasting to be not just a religious activity that we do or a little notch that we put in our belt, in our spiritual belt, and say, look at us, we fasted, but it's really asking God to awaken us spiritually so that we can hear the things of the things of God, especially His voice. We can do the things that God has called us to do. And so last week we talked about asking God to shine on us. We looked at the church of Laodicea and how God was showing them uh, just their hearts where they could not see that they were wretched and pitiful. And instead of trusting in God, they were trusting in themselves. And that's why God was knocking on the door. Jesus was knocking on the door and wanting them to open and let him come and table fellowship with them. And so once again, it was this idea of humility and how humility was a vital part of being able to receive the blessings of God. Today, as we close out this series, we want to talk about the spiritual awakening. And now as God awakens us, that he will shine through us. And so it's about listening and also obeying the word of God and what he wants us to do. I wanted to go ahead and just to start off by asking a question. I'm wondering how many of you, and if you're in a Zoom, you could kind of uh, look at some of the life group members there, but I'm wondering how many of you like stargazing or watching stars at night? Anybody? I don't know about you, but this is something I really enjoy whenever I have an opportunity to do so. Actually, my love for this first came uh, towards the end of my sophomore year in the university. What happened was I was on a missions project to Kenya, Africa. It was my first missions project ever, and we were eating, and after we started eating, after we finished eating, we were doing the dishes, and as we were cleaning up, uh, some of our members went outside, and they were just screaming, and they're like, come outside, come outside, and so we finished off, and we quickly came outside, and when we looked up, we were amazed because we were able to see stars that lit up the whole sky. And we were just worshiping as we were watching the beauty of God's creation. And we also was able to see a moonrise. That was my first time ever. And it was so inspiring to me as I saw this that I really felt as if God was right there in my midst, in the, His presence with me. It was so powerful and impactful that as soon as I came back to school that, that fall or that autumn, I ended up signing up for astronomy class. To learn more about stars. And then also, um, as, as I took this class, as I began to learn more about it, I was more fascinated. And all the Bible passages that talks about stars, reference to stars, and God's creation, the heavens and the earth, it actually came alive for me, realizing that God of the universe not only created all these beautiful things around us, but He created me. And that really gave me a sense of humility, a sense of awe. Uh, causing me to feel as if that uh, I'm, I'm not big at all. In fact, I'm really small, and God is awesome, and that He's great. And so from this whole process, I started getting fascinated with stars and astronomy. 
And in that process, one of the things that uh, we did as back in 2015, this was early 2015, as we formed our HMCC of Hong Kong church plant team, we ended up going up north in Michigan. And there was this place called Helen's um, uh, International Dark Park. And this is supposedly the darkest place in the state of Michigan. So here's a map so you can kind of have a better idea of what's going on. So you'll see here's the United States. And then as you see the Headlands, uh, Headlands International Dark Park is right there on top of Michigan. I'm going to zoom in a little bit. And then you'll notice it's right on the top of the state of Michigan. And then one more as we look. It's right there. It just literally, it's right off the Lake Michigan there and Lake Superior. I think that's Lake Superior up north. And so we were able to go to this place in Mackinac City. And in that place, we were just going there because it's supposed to be the darkest. There's not a single artificial lighting anywhere within a certain amount of distance. And we were all gathered there and we're waiting. And then we looked up and we saw all these stars and it was beautiful. And once again, it just reminded me how great and awesome God was. And I wanted to take our team there, part of team building, but also to just remind us that even as we go to Hong Kong, that it was going to be God who is great and awesome, who will help start this church and not what we do. And as I was thinking about this, I realized that one of the reasons why we cannot see stars is because of the light pollution that we have in a city like Hong Kong with all its lights is very difficult unless you're in some of these remote places in Hong Kong to actually see stars. And it was interesting because I kind of read up on this one town in Colorado, it's a state in the United States, that actually decided to uh, turn down the lights as well as to put coverings over lights so that people can look up and see the stars. It was a fascinating story. So I wanted to share that with you. So I'm going to show you this quick video. And after about two, three minutes, uh, we're going to come back and I want to talk a little bit more about the importance of shining uh, the light that God has given us. So let's watch this together. What a great story, isn't it? How one person along with a handful of other people were able to just recapture the beauty of creation. And one of the things that I, I need you to understand when it comes to things like stars is that the darker the place, the brighter it becomes. And I think in many ways that describes a lot about the world and about us as Christ followers. When you think about everything that's going on in this world, when we look at not only our lives, we look at our family, we look at the society, everything that's happening in Hong Kong and globally, one of the things that we have to come to the conclusion is that we are living in dark times. And there are a lot of things that are hindering us from really being able to see the beauty of who God is. And this is where God calls us as Christ followers to be able to shine the light that God has given to us as he has awakened us in our spiritual life. And that's why even Apostle Paul talks about this in the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, listen to what it says in the century English version. It says this, in the contemporary English version, it says, Then you will be pure and innocent children of God. You will live among people who are crooked and evil, but you must not do anything that they say is wrong. Try to shine as lights among the people of this world. 
So that is the calling that we have as Christ followers, that we are to shine this light that God has revealed unto us in our lives. Uh, Thierry uh, Cohen uh, started this artistic project called Darkened Cities. And some of you might have seen this before, but what he did was he went to all the global cities, he took pictures of it, and he took out the lights in those cities, and then it just illuminated the stars. So I want to show you this picture. If you look at this in front of you, this is Hong Kong without the lights. They, he took out the lights on this uh, photo, and the beauty of just all the stars around, especially in the night sky. Now, when you think about this, uh, as you see the star in this darkened area, I want you to now look at this other picture that's a famous picture that many of you have seen before uh, towards the evening. And you see all the lights. And with these lights, it's very difficult to see anything up in the sky, especially when there's clouds, but it's difficult to see. And as I was looking at this picture, it just kind of reminded me of our lives and what's happening in Hong Kong. You see all those lights? Those lights are the artificial lights. Those lights are the things of materialism, of success, of worldly happiness, of relationships, or whatever it may be, comfort, security in this world. And all these lights are shining on us. And it's so easy to get distracted and look at these lights and be mesmerized by these lights. But what we fail to see is that there are stars. There are illuminations that God created that will light up the sky. In the same way as he created us and that he has called us to be a light of the world. We're supposed to shine brightly in a world like this. Not only when it's dark, but when there's artificial lights that try to blind and distract people from seeing the true light. And as I think about these pictures, just, hurt, just watching the video and thinking about that story, I, I just pray that we will not forget the calling that God has given us as we live in this dark world. I like what George V. Uh, Wygram said. He says this, Christ cannot light a single spark in the heart of an individual without that little tiny spark being for God. He gives the light and has ordained that every ray of it is to reflect something for God. I pray that as God ignites our hearts, sets it ablaze that we'll be able to then shine it and tell the world about who Jesus Christ is. So here's the one thing. The one thing for today is that our lives must be a flame that brightly shines God's fame. The greatness of who He is, how famous He is that many people might not know yet, that our lives must be a flame that brightly shines God's fame. Uh, the important part of this is to really remind ourselves that our lives must be a flame because God will ignite that, but it must burn. It must be a flame that brightly shines God's fame as we live for Him and Him alone. So I want to talk about two things here in this passage in Ezekiel chapter 20, uh, 37 of what it means to really allow us to be a flame so that we can shine brightly His fame. The first thing you've got to do is that we have to observe what God is doing. We have to observe what God is doing. Now, in order for us to understand what's happening in this chapter, we have to kind of understand the context 
of this famous story. Many of you heard this story before, but it was during this time when Jerusalem fell. Uh, the temple of the Lord was destroyed at this time. And then the Israelites were captured by the Babylonians and they were taken into exile. So you got to try to imagine what many of these Israelites were feeling, that they were in this promised land. And because of their sin and their disobedience, now the Babylonians came, took them captive, exiled them to Babylon. And they are away from the very place. And the temple of God, which represented the presence of God, it was completely destroyed. And we have to remember that all of this happened because of their disobedience, because they rebelled against God. They were worshiping other idols in their lives. And what God wanted more than anything else was a heart of humility, to be humble, to acknowledge that everything that they have was from Him and Him alone. They have acquired nothing that was apart from Him, but instead they turned to themselves. And that's why previous chapter in chapter 36 of the book of Ezekiel, one of the things that you will see, and this is the faithfulness of God, no matter how much you sin, no matter what it is that you do, you can never thwart or completely ruin the plan of God because God is God and that He's sovereign. And that is why even though they sinned, even though they were exiled, even though the temple of the Lord was destroyed, we see here in chapter 36, one chapter before, that God prophesied through the prophet Ezekiel that God is going to change their hearts. He's going to turn their heart of stone and soften their hearts so they will be humble and they will worship God, let go of all the idols in their lives, and to be able to say, you alone, God, are worthy of of all my worship. And this is where we come to chapter 37. And then Ezekiel, the prophet, sees a vision. And we want to look at this vision and what that means for us as we ask in God as he ignites our hearts with this flame so we can shine brightly his fame. Let's go ahead and read verse 1 through 3 of the book of Ezekiel. So this is what the word of God says. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were many, very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. What we see in this passage is that we notice that Ezekiel had this vision from the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And then he began to see this valley. It's almost like a plain right before him. And he sees this valley, and it says here it was full of bones. Now in verse 2, we see the phrase, he led me around among them. Now I want you to notice this is a very important part of the story. Because in the Amplified Version, it says, he caused me to pass all around them. Now why is this important? Because what you will notice and what you will see is that almost as if God purposefully led Ezekiel, almost like holding his hand and leading him through this whole valley of the bones. I'm just wondering, what are some things that God is causing you and leading you to see? I'll never forget uh, some years back when I was so clueless about this whole uh, human trafficking, uh, the sex trafficking, and all the stuff that's going around in the world. And then my wife and I, we saw this 
a documentary called Nefarious, and it, it literally floored us. And we were, we, we were broken in my heart. I was weeping and thinking about all that was going on in Cambodia, and because that's where it was highlighting some of the issues that were going on with the human trafficking. And as I was watching this, I, I just felt this tremendous urge, like, I got to do something. Like, we as a church, we got to do something. This is on the heart of God. This breaks the heart of God. This is something that we need to do as the people of God. And so I began to pray, uh, and we prayed, my wife and I, and we began to ask the Lord, what is it that you want us to do? How can we get involved? And just by God's providence and his sovereignty, he led me to some people. And I had an opportunity to go to Cambodia and towards Thailand. And right around that border was uh, one of the highest uh, traffic area for human trafficking. And we were right there in the border. And I'm telling you, as soon as I walked in, there was this darkness that fell over me. It was just, you could feel it. It was very thick, all this evil. And the person who was giving us a tour, he was kind of leading us to different places and some of these little parts of the town where parents were even selling their kids because they had no money. And even when they get captured and brought back to the family, they get sold again. And just hearing these kind of stories, it was the first time where my eyes were open. And God helped me to observe what was going on and what he wanted to do. And since then, we started this whole thing called Liberty Mission. And we were part, trying to get involved and partner up with other ministries that were doing that. This was back in Michigan. And I'm sharing this story because I would have never known until God caused me and he led me to that place. I'm just wondering, what is it that God is opening your eyes to? What is he doing? How is he leading you or causing you to see things that maybe normally you might not have seen? Maybe it's the plight with a lot of the people, the refugees in our city. It might be with those who are marginalized in our cities. It might be those with special needs. And there are so many different needs around us. But I'm just wondering, what is it that God is leading you or causing you to observe? to see. Here's Ezekiel. In this vision, God leads him through this valley of bones to see what is going on. And there's two things that we notice that Ezekiel observed. The first thing is the quantity of the bones. It says here there were bones everywhere. So you got to try to imagine. This was not just a handful of bones here and there, but it says that it was everywhere. It was very much this valley of bones. The New Living Translation says, the bones that covered the valley floor, they were scattered everywhere across the ground. Can you imagine the whole valley, the floor of the valley was completely covered in bones. So there are many of them. Another thing you will notice that he observed is the quality of the bones, not only the quantity, but the quality. It says the bones were very dry and bleached out because of the hot sun. So you got to try to picture this, that these are bones that have been dead for a while. There are no flesh on there. It's not decomposing because it's just bones. It's bleached out. It's completely white because of the hot sun. So you got to try to picture this. Not only is there a huge quantity, but there is this quality of deadness that was in this valley for a very long time. And then in verse 3, God asked Ezekiel a very interesting question in the midst of this gruesome sight, in this vision. 
God wanted to know if Ezekiel believed that these bones, if these bones can come alive. Can you imagine if God asked you that question? Like, do you believe these bones can come alive? Uh, what do you mean by alive? But that was the question in this vision that God spoke to Ezekiel. How many times, I'm wondering, have we been in a situation where it looked helpless and hopeless and God says, do you believe that I can intervene? I'm wondering how many of us have faced a situation that's beyond our control and God is saying, do you really trust me? How many of us have been in different plights or situations in our lives where we realize that we made a lot of mistakes and it's so easy for us to manipulate. It's so easy for us to try to figure things out. But God is asking, can you let go and trust that I can take care of this? That's when we look at Ezekiel's response, which I thought was fascinating. Listen to what he says. He says in the New Living Translation, you alone know the answer to that. What Ezekiel is trying to imply was that from a human perspective, there is no way that these dead bones can come alive. That's his point. When he said, you alone, you're the only one that knows that answer. What he's saying, humanly possible. When I think about it from my mind that is so finite, there is no way that these bones can come alive. But God, you know, because you're infinite, because you're great, because you're awesome, in your knowledge, you know, if you want to do this, you can do this. That's why it really expressed faith, not in himself, but in God. Can I challenge us this morning? Is your faith like that? A lot of times when we think about our situation, it's easy to get discouraged. Some of us spending time with people, but they're not changing. We look at our own lives and we tell other people, I'm going to try to do this, but we can't do this. And time and time again, we're looking to ourselves. And time and time again, as we look at ourselves, we get more discouraged. That we can't seem to change. Or we can't seem to overcome that sin issue. Or we're constantly fighting with that person. Or we're constantly in a situation where we can't set ourselves free from. And this is the reason why faith is needed. Not in yourself, but in God. So when God asks us the question, can these bones live? You got to think about it. Can that family member be saved? Can you really have faith that I can change you? Or your situation can be different. Let's continue as we look into this vision in verse 4 through 6. Let's read it together. This is what it says. It says, Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. The Lord commands Ezekiel 
to prophesy over these bones. Pretty much to speak into, to open his mouth and speak into these bones. And what is it? The word of God. The truth of what God is now speaking to him. Open your mouth and speak it. And we see that the dead things will come alive. Now, it is a vision of God recreating something from nothing. Now, this is important to understand this because when he says prophesy to these bones that behold that they will live, only God can do that. That's why it reminds us in Romans chapter 4, verse 17b in the ESV, it says this, and read the yellow section with me. It says, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, referring to Abraham, who gives life to the dead and, come on, let's say this together, calls into existence the things that do not exist. So this is God, that he's able to create something from nothing. He just speaks forth and then it comes into being. It is the same, if you, if you look at this, then he says, I will speak life or breath. I will put breath in you. That word breath in the Hebrew is ruach. That word ruach means spirit or the wind. And so God is saying, I am going to breathe upon you and give you the spirit. It's as if the wind, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Now, the same word is the word that is used when God gave life to Adam. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says this, Then the, the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and say this together with me, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Did you see that? Breathed into his nostril the breath of life, or the breath of life, which is the ruha of life. Now, therefore, since God is breathing life into these bones, they shall live. It's as if these words were spoken. And somehow there's power in these words. And these words now are putting the ligaments, the tendons. Now it's forming the muscle. And then there's skin that covers, that are covering the bone and the flesh. Can you imagine if you received this kind of vision? from the Lord. I don't know about you, but I would, number one, freak out, but then I'll be like, cool, you know, because it's like a transformers. It's like completely transforming from bones now to a human being, flesh. I'm just wondering, what are some dead things in your life? And maybe it's not just one, but there's many on your valley of bones. I'm wondering how long it's been decomposing in your life. It might, it might be a relationship. It might even just be a dream that you had by some whatever reason because of disappointment and failure, it's slowly dying inside of you. It, it might be the things at work. Whatever it may be, I'm wondering what are some of the dead things in your life? The quantity and the quality. And here's God speaking to you and wants to give you life and he wants to breathe life into you and he's saying they shall live if we began to see things with god's eyes what would that look like that's why second corinthians chapter 1 verse 9 listen to what it says 
It says, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Can I just encourage you? Just look at me for a moment. There are times when God allows things to get to a point where you don't have any control and you're completely broken because you have relied so much on yourself and not on God. And this is where we start getting hopeless and helpless and discouraged. And I'm just wondering if possibly God is using the situation right now that you're in so that you can learn to depend on Him. That's why I listen to what it says in the message translation of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. It says this, We felt like we've been sent to death row that it was all over for us. As it turned out, it was, come on, say this with me, the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since He's God. He's the God who raises the dead. See, God is in the business of raising dead things that he can create something out of nothing. He can recreate things. But the question is this, will you trust him? Or are you depending on yourself? I think in our depraved nature, there is nothing that we can do. In fact, the Bible alludes to the fact that we're spiritually dead. That's, that's the reason why we need Jesus to resurrect our hearts. Those of you who are struggling with just even trying to love God, you could try all you want, but it's going to lead to a lot of religiosity or a lot of spiritual pride or either discouragement as well. Why? Because you can't do it. It's a mountain too high to climb. It's an it's a ocean too far, too broad to, to swim over. And this is the reason why we need to depend and trust in Jesus Christ. Listen to this passage in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. It says this, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were, come on, will you say this? Dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Let me read the voice translation. But God, with the unfathomable richness of His love and mercy, focused on us united us with the anointed one, and say this with me, it says, infuse our lifeless souls with life, even though we were buried under mountains of sin and saved us by His grace. There's nothing you can do. That's part of our depraved nature. And this is the reason why in our sinful nature where we cannot resuscitate our hearts, we cannot try to conjure up this desire or even awaken our own spirits. What we do is we lean and trust in God. That's the reason why we're fasting. Because we're asking God, yeah, it's not just about reading the Bible. It's not just about prayer. But God, I need you to resurrect this heart. Some of you right now, your heart is hardened or you're feeling very apathetic. I mean, sadly to say, there's nothing you can do. Maybe that's some comfort to you. Well, there's nothing I can do, so I'm just not going to do anything. I want to challenge you. For the next several days, for this, this coming week, for the rest of this fast, if you're, if you're up for this challenge, 
What I'm challenging you is to pray some dangerous prayers. Because you cannot save yourself. You cannot resurrect your heart. You cannot get rid of your heart of stone and turn it into a soft heart. What I'm challenging you is to pray a bold prayer and say, God, break me. Give me that desire for you. And when he does, and you see him doing it, whether it's through circumstances, maybe he's putting a weird desire in your heart that you want to read the Bible, that you want to pray. That's him knocking on the door. Then open the door and respond to him. How about us this morning? Are you able to observe and see the things that God wants you to see? Do you see him leading you and causing you to see things that you might not have been able to see before? Maybe something in the, around the world. Maybe something within your own heart. I'm wondering if you have a heart of gratitude for what God has done to bring life into you. He breathed life into you. Even some of you are doing well and you're feeling like you're loving God, you're delighting in God. That's not you. That's God. So are you filled with gratitude and thankfulness for that? That's why the first thing we have to keep in mind is we have to observe what God is doing. Let me pause here before I finish off with the second point. I want us to talk about this a little bit because I think this is important. What is it that God is trying to open our eyes to? What is he wanting us to observe in our lives? But let me just finish off with the second point. As we're talking about as our hearts are set ablaze and it's a, a flame that God ignites in our hearts, then we can live and shine brightly for his fame. We talked about how we must observe what it is that God is doing. That's the first thing. It's important that we do that. Uh, and the second thing that we want to mention here as we close out in this story, in this vision that Ezekiel had, is that we have to obey what God is saying. That we have to obey what God is saying. Let me go ahead and just read verse 7 through 10. Let's read this part together. It says this. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had become upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet in an exceedingly great army. Now, what you will see here is after observing what God was trying to show Ezekiel, he then began to obey, and we see here immediately, and he began to prophesy as God commanded him to. Now, how many times does God show us something and then we delay in obedience? I know that's true for me. There are many times when sometimes God impresses something on my heart or he kind of puts it in my mind, I, I should do this. And I just know that it's the spirit of God telling me I should obey. But a lot of times we get caught up and we're busy or we're like, oh, just brush it aside. And we miss those opportunity of obedience. And that's why one of what we have to remember is this, that any delay in obedience or even partial obedience is really disobedience 
I want you to think about that for a moment. That any delay in obedience or even partial obedience is disobedience. And as Ezekiel obeyed God's word, he began to see this miracle happening right before his eyes. Now, the thing that you need to note here is that he was still prophesying. So it wasn't like he prophesied. He goes, one, Mississippi, two, Mississippi, three, Mississippi. He wasn't waiting. In fact, you will see this in the New uh, International Version. It says this, so I prophesied as I was commanded. There's obedience. And then it says, and as I was what? Prophesying. As he was in the process of prophesying, we see that things began to shake. The bones began to rattle. As Ezekiel obeyed with the, and hearing the rattling of the sound and the ligaments coming together, the muscles forming and the skin covering, you could try to imagine just the amazement that Ezekiel had of this recreation. And have you thought about this? I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my mind. As I was reading this passage and meditating on this, I was just thinking, why wasn't the human body just formed instantly? Why do we have to go through all the charades or like the drama of like rattling of the bones and then, then the ligaments started forming? I was thinking about this. Couldn't God just boom in an instance turn that whole valley into an army of people? And as I was thinking about this, he could have in his power. But I was thinking more in the perspective of Ezekiel. Can you imagine what Ezekiel was feeling as some of these things were happening step by step? It was almost as if his faith began to rise up. Because as he saw the bones rattling, he's probably thinking, well, what's going on? And then as the ligaments and the tendons were forming and the muscles were actually developing right before his eyes, the skin came over them. You could tell, he, not only was it like a prolonged shock, because if it just came in their body, it would be like, oh, whoa, cool. But right, but it's because it's gradual and it's step by step, it's almost as if Ezekiel is seeing this in real time and his faith is beginning to rise up. And I think this is significant because I'm wondering what are some things in your life that God is allowing you to hear the sound of this recreation? Or even see slowly things that God is doing. Let me put it this way. There are some of you who have been recently just praying and you're seeing God kind of answer like a prayer. What does it do to you? It encourages you. It builds faith. That even something like this that I've been praying for, God is actually answering. It was very similar to what I went through with my dad when I was praying for his salvation. And he didn't become a Christian all at once. In fact, it was so gradual that it began to increase my faith and my prayers became even more frequent. Because my, my dad was the last person to come to know Christ in our family. And he, it was going to be really hard. He was just an older man and a very proud and he felt like he didn't need anything but I remember praying. I was asking other people to pray for my dad. And in this process, uh, I was at university still. And there are many different breaks or holidays during the university schedule. And there was something called a fall break, which is kind of like an autumn, mid-autumn festival break. And I remember when I went there, I, I, I heard my dad listening to sermons. 
And it, it shocked me. And so then what it did was it actually increased my faith and I began to pray even more, even harder because I really believed that it was not me because I wasn't home. You know, I was at school. But as I began to pray, it just began to build up more faith. And then the winter break came during Christmas. And when he came, he started reading the Bible. And so it wasn't, it wasn't all of a sudden he became a Christian. It was just gradual, just moving a little. And I, I believe that God was doing that not only in my dad's life so that he could come to know Christ in a gradual way so he could understand the truth. But for me, it helped me to believe that if I pray and not try to change or manipulate the situation, God can actually answer the prayer. So he started reading the Bible during the winter break. And I'm talking to my mom, like, what's going on? He goes, I don't know. He's just hanging out with some friends. And then I guess some of them are Christians. And then he started reading the Bible. And then it was during spring break around March or April when he ended up going to church with my mom. And it was within that year later on that he actually received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So it was gradual. But what it did for me was that it awakened me to say, God, you're the one who can change him. Because he could have just brought my dad to Christ. I would have been like, woo, yeah, awesome. And that was it. But by seeing little by little, it increased my faith and it began to cause me to pray even more. That's why when you think about the story, one thing that I want you to also note is verse 8. We notice a sentence that says, but there was no breath in them. Now, what God was doing was he actually formed the body but it was not alive. And that's why when God told Ezekiel to prophesy to the breath, speak to the breath, the, the, the spirit, to come and breathe life, speaking to the four winds from all different directions to come and speak life to these lifeless bodies. And as soon as Ezekiel did this, we see that breath came into the body and they all stood at their feet and this exceedingly great army appeared man i'm just trying to visualize this because i'm more visual and i'm trying to imagine this whole valley of these dead bones and all of a sudden all these guys are like formed or women i don't know who they are but they formed maybe like those robots you know uh but they all like stood up but they had no life and here's ezekiel speaking into the breath and into this army of people and we see they all stood up and there was life this is what I've been praying for, for all of you and for our church and even in Hong Kong with all the different churches and Christians here. What would it be like if every single believer in our church that we will rise up as an army of God to do the things that he has called us to do? And not just our church, but think about all the churches in Hong Kong, both international and the Chinese speaking and even some of these other ethnic churches that are here in Hong Kong. What would it be like if we were all rising up we will be like an army who will be able to go to every single corner of this world to preach the gospel and the good news of jesus christ they became these dry bones became living warriors for god look at this last portion of scripture in verse 11 through 14 listen to what it says then he said to me son of man these bones are the house whole house of israel behold they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise 
you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own hand. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. God begins to explain this vision and this prophecy. It is about Israel as they were scattered all over the world at that time that he's saying that he's going to bring them back into this promised land. The very thing that he has spoken, it is going to come true. Now, what ramifications does this have for us? Even though we're not the Israelite people, I think in many ways that many of us are scattered all over. Even our hearts, our minds are all over the place. But as God speaks life into us, then we're able to then be awakened and do the things that God has called us to do. If you look at verse 14, you will notice at the end, it says, then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and fulfilled it, says the Lord. The contemporary English version says, and you will know that I have kept my promise. I, the Lord, have spoken. We see God's faithfulness to his promise. He will begin to show us and we will begin to understand more and more of who he is. You will know who I am, the Lord says. That's why I love 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. As Apostle Paul reminded the people of Corinth, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Listen to how the message translation gives that verse. It says this, whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray. The great amen, God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. That as God says, yes, this is my promise to you. And then we experience it. We say, yes, this is your word, God. That's how we're able to glorify him, to say you are true to your word and you're faithful. God, through prophet Ezekiel, preached and prophesied to what was true. And so they can believe in the faithfulness of God. In the same way, we have the Bible for it to speak to us so that we know that what God says is true and we could trust in him. How about us this morning? Do you believe that God is faithful when he has promised us something in, in the word, especially when you're struggling, especially when you're having a hard time? When God speaks to you about something, do you obey right away or do you delay? Do you think maybe possibly God has already moved towards you and he's knocking and then he wants you to respond? See, what happens is this, as we observe what's happening around us, as our hearts are set on fire, then what we can do is then start obeying in the things that he wants us to do. That's when God's name and glory and his fame will spread all throughout your workplace, your neighborhoods, your schools, and even here in Hong Kong. And I think the beauty of this story is really the gospel message. That all of us were spiritually dead, dry bones. And we were amidst of other people who are spiritually dead. But Jesus Christ, he came in the midst of all this deadness. And he lived his life 
in such a way that you and I could not live, which was perfect. And then he became a perfect sacrifice by dying on the cross. And by him dying and then resurrecting from the dead, he is speaking life to us. That if we humble ourselves, repent of our sins, that we can have this life, this resurrection life that God is giving to us. Will you respond to him? Will you surrender your life to Jesus Christ? That's why, once again, the one thing is that our lives must be a flame that brightly shines God's fame. I want to give us just a couple things or several things for us to think about as we close out here. It's kind of like the next steps. What, what do I do? Because I really believe if you practice some of these things this coming week, you'll already see God doing some things in your life. The first thing is this. Make space to observe and listen to God. You have to make space to observe and listen to God. You know that we've been talking about this thing called the Kaira Circle. And we're going to do it in Life Group this coming week. I talked about it two days ago. I'm talking about it today. We're going to talk about two days from now, three days from now when you have Life Group. Because this is so important when you want your heart awakened to the things of God. The Bible tells us in the book of Mark to be able to repent and believe because the kingdom of God is near. So this is timeline of life. Time passes by. And then all of a sudden, something happens, something at work, something with your friendships or something at maybe school, something happens. And as soon as something happens, you got to stop and pause and listen to what it is that God is saying. That's why when that situation happens, you go through the cycle. And the first thing you got to do is you got to not only repent and to believe, but the first thing is you got to observe. What is it that God is trying to do? What is it that he's trying to speak to you about? How is he getting your attention? Is he causing you, leading you to see something maybe within your own heart? That's the spirit of God. The second thing is to reflect. Take the time to think about it, reflect on it. God, speak to me. What is it? How do you want me to learn through this? The third thing is to discuss, to find some people, accountability partner, mentors, where you can discuss this together. This is what God is speaking to me about. And sharing that with them. And then the fourth thing is to plan. To come up with something. What are you going to do now to believe what God is speaking to you about? What are you going to do? And then the fifth thing is to have accountability. To bring your life into account. There's so many of you who, who plan but never follow through. So have some accountability. And the last thing is to act. To do something about that. And that's when you will be able to go in a direction that God wants you to go. So please, going back. The first thing that I want to encourage you to do is to make some space to be able to observe and to listen to God. The second thing that I want us to do is to mouth out loud words or out loud, mouth out, out loud words of life to your situation. Because there's power in our words. You know, there are times when I'm just walking or I'm going through empty heart. Like, I actually speak it out loud. Now, some people are like, why do you have to speak it out loud, you know? Can't, you know, can't God understand my heart? Of course he can't. But listen to me carefully. But Satan can't. Satan cannot read your mind because he's not omniscient. Only God is. So it's a lot of the things that you go through on a given day or a given week are things that are going through your mind and in your hearts. So that's spiritual warfare. So when you're able to mouth out loud words of life 
to your situation. You are literally rebuking the evil one. So say it out loud. Claim his promises. That's why memorize scripture to speak it out. The third thing is this. Move in obedience according to God's word. Act upon it. As God speaks to you, move towards the things of God. And the last thing is monitor your trust level. It's always easy to have our trust level, our faith level, to wane and to wax in and out. Monitor that. When you're feeling as if you're weak and your faith level is low, your trust level is getting harder, you're trusting yourself and other things, that's when you should call up people to help, ask for help. So monitor that. And as you do, you'll be able to turn to God. What we're going to do at this time is I'm going to encourage all of us to stand. If you could just stand, because sometimes when you're sitting there, it's easy to just kind of let your minds wander. But changing your body position, it helps. As you're standing, we're going to sing a song together. And I want this to be a prayer. I want this to be able to speak out, mouthing out, out loud, these words of truth about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And the, the breath that he has breathed into us that we can actually use now to sing, to declare, to proclaim the glory of God. So let's worship him. Can we just do that? I feel like that's going to help us to kind of bring everything together as we think about as our hearts are set ablaze, as it's a flame for God, that we may be able to then brightly shine his fame. So let's sing together. And then we'll, I'll pray for you at the end as a prayer blessing. Pray that this coming week, with the breath that God gives us, that we'll live for His glory. He has set our hearts aflame so that we can brightly shine His fame. Let me just pray for your prayer blessing. So Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters and all those who watch today, that your Holy Spirit will go with them, strengthen them, reminding us, Lord, that as we learn to observe what it is that you're trying to say and trying to do around us, and as we see it, as we know your heart, then we'll be able to obey the things that you are trying to speak to us with. Help us to be people whose heart has been ignited by you as we burn brightly for you, Lord. May other people around us know who you are. May they know the fame and the glory of who you are. We thank you so much. We give you all the glory. May this coming week, even as we close out the fast, may it be done with your spirit. May you anoint us so that we will hear from you. We will experience more of you, Lord. So protect us from the evil one. Watch over us until we meet again. We thank you so much and we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.